0: This is Pastor Nathan Kirk, and I am so glad that you have decided to make Greater Life a part of your day by tuning in to the message that you're about to hear. We here at Greater Life are a group of people that are passionate about living for Christ as well as service one to another. From our worship services, classes, and messages, we strive to love and serve with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you enjoy the message you're about to hear, that it is a blessing to you and that in turn you may be a blessing to others. If you're searching for a church to call your home, I encourage you to join us here at Greater Life. As ...scriptural principles that we need to apply and that we need to be aware of and, why, and how this is applicable to us. So, John chapter 12, we're going to begin there in, in verse number 23. John twelve twenty-three says this. It says, Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies... It remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He continues on by helping us to understand what, it, what that means. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his... These are Jesus' words, right? If you love your life, you will lose it. And if you hate your life in this world, you'll keep it. For eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, they're my servant. So I know we say we are his friend, but we are his servant. I know he is our friend, and I get that. But I'm a servant of God. And a servant, doesn't all, it's, it may not be what I want to do. And if I love my life then oftentimes what my master is asking me to do is stuff that I don't want to do. But if I hate my life in this world and I serve my master, Jesus, and I'm with him and I follow him, that where he is, we will be also. If anyone serves me, uh, him, my father, will honor. The very first thing I want to bring out is this. and It's a scriptural principle that we find and we saw it in these, cha- in these first two chapters especially, drawn out, um, and it was a, a point that just kept almost like, like the, the hammer just kept hitting over and over again, is that revival, and revival is a big term, so let me just bring that down to maybe what that can mean to us. What it means is not so much um, a returning back to life, but an awakening, a spiritual awakening, an awakening among people towards the things of God. Revival begins with prayer and repentance. Prayer and repentance and the dying to self. Acts 2.37, we know probably know Acts 2.38 fairly well, but Acts 2.30 says that 2.37 says that when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? It is that repentance, that and that that and with that is the, the need for prayer. So, what what does that repentance mean? Um, Repentance starts here. It starts in the house of God, among the people of God. It starts with us. And that's maybe a heavy-handed principle that we find in the Word of God. I think that it's okay, and that should be a little heavy-handed in our lives. Lord, help us if we are at a point where we are too advanced for repentance. Repentance. To, because what happens is when we approach that, we become too proud to repent, too self-righteous to repent, and the Lord will resist the proud, and quite frankly, what I believe, and I think what we find being evident is that he will transition his revival, as it were, to those who are humble. His word says in Isaiah that, thus saith the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, he says, I am here to revive the spirit of the humble and the contrite heart. It's, that's where it begins, is humility and contrition. Continuing on, though, it was, and if you read this, these chapters, you'll find that they, this man and the people there were people of prayer. Significant prayer. Not just pre-service prayer. <laughs> Not just rushing on my way to work prayer. Not just convenient prayer prayer but they were not not even not even inconvenient prayer like it was beyond inconvenient and where we where this first jumped out in this book and what we find here is the concept of an intercessor and lord help us return to a and help us to become a culture of a praying and interceding church Intercessory prayer is not just for one person. It's not just for the select few within a church to be able to do that. Like, oh, that's their gifting. Intercession is for the people of God standing in the gap for those that He has purchased with His own blood. Isaiah 59, 16 says, He saw, them, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, His own arm Brought salvation for him and his own righteousness; it sustained him. Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. And prayer and intercession are keys to revival. And revivals—I I don't mean for us. It's—it's it's keys to an awakening. It's keys to being moved. To, be, to, to the Spirit of God moving in our personal lives and then also corporately with us as a church. Prayer. Real prayer. And when we read this book and we start to read this testimony, again, if you, if you remember the assignment from last week or the topic was the power of personal testimony and witness. One of the powerful things just about hearing this man's testimony is that within the matter and course of about a year, a year and a half, maybe close to two years, but in in the matter, of course, within these two chapters, just less than a couple of years, what you're hearing consistently over and over and over again is prayer. Prayer. Um, There were some points that were made. I'm not going to get into those just yet because we'll get there in our book discussion aspect. But the next point that I want to bring up is this. um, Is... This was a really. There were some really intriguing parts that took place when they were talking about some of the some of the signs that were evident. Anybody remember some of those? Maybe we could talk about it. some of the signs that were evident that were really, like, wow, that's really out there. They spoke in tongues a real long time. They sang in the spirit. Even visual signs that they could see. Well, what we don't like that because. We've seen so many people abuse this notion and falsify it and use it for their own agenda. But let me me just tell us this, that a principle in the Word of God is that the kingdom of God doesn't come with just words. It's with power. Okay. The kingdom is in power and the demonstration of the Spirit. Why should that surprise us? When you read these things and you think, that's pretty strange. That's pretty strange, some of those things that are happening. And the answer is yes, exactly. It's strange because it's not of man. It's of God. It's, yes, it's, it's not normal. You could even say it's not natural. You could even go so far as to say it's supernatural. And we become, and I'll just throw an olive branch to us today, we can become um, uncomfortable about this because of our experience or what we've heard of a false demonstration or of man's fabrication. We've heard of those things. And so we we can become uncomfortable with that. We can also become uncomfortable with that because the demonstration all of a sudden falls outside of our norms for what we consider to be acceptable gatherings together. Does that make sense? On a Wednesday night, we're just getting together to do Bible study and talk about this book and talk about some biblical uh, principles, but all of a sudden, something breaks out and something begins to move. That makes me a little uncomfortable. Good. Good. But we, my, my hope is that we would actually get to the place where that stops making us uncomfortable and that the inverse is actually true where we become uncomfortable with the absence of it. Is that all right? Not, not that we try, and here's where we have to be careful. We don't try and drum it up and force it to happen. Okay, I'm going to get to that in just a second. But a genuine demonstration should neither be foreign to us nor should it make us uncomfortable. I'm not going to pick on anybody in particular tonight, but I remember I come from a very kind of traditional type of a church that didn't have much for the operation and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost, okay? I'll just, I love my home church, and I love my pastor, and so I'm not speaking disparagingly against anybody, but I remember that it would be once every... It was more often than the World Cup, right? So it was like once every six three, four years maybe, Like, there would be a missionary that would come through and this missionary could operate in the prophetic or this missionary this, this missionary could operate in the gifts of tongues or interpretations. Other than that, none, nothing. None of that. And you, and you say, well, that's so strange. Not really. That's common. That's, that's a sad commentary on the state of the North American church. But what I'm saying is this, is I'm saying it shouldn't be foreign to us, and it shouldn't make us uncomfortable. The first time I started to see that in operation, I won't call out who or what or when or where or why or any of those things, but I remember the first time I saw that in operation, Supernatural, outside of my home church, and I thought, these people are crazy. Like, these are my people, and my people are crazy. And it's the only church in Bemidji, and... and I don't know what to do with this because there's no other apostolic church that I can go to <laughs> that sings from the hymnal and that doesn't pray loud or pray in tongues or sing in tongues or, or have you know, tongues of interpretation uh, you know, on a regular basis. I don't know what to do with this because it made me uncomfortable. But I knew I couldn't leave it. So what I, I want to bring to your attention here this in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5. And I'm hurrying for a reason because there are some principles that we have to get through. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 says this. This is Paul writing now. Now Paul, talked about head knowledge. Head, head knowledge that's head and shoulders above any one of us. Okay, fine. But Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 1.5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only. Word is very important. We have to be Bible literate. We have to be Bible literate. We can't throw that out. We have to be Bible literate. But he said this. It didn't come in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Honestly, well, actually, let me me keep going. Um, In 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words, this is Paul again, persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4 and 20, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Power. Many of the events in this book that you read seem strange. But can I be honest with us? If we were to take this book and apply it to 21st century, 2021, these things would be strange too. I was talking with somebody that was having a problem with their eye the other day, and I said, well, you know, Jesus, when he prayed for somebody that had an eye problem, he spit on the ground and made some mud, and then he put it on their eye, and they said, you don't have, you could just pray for me, like, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, we would think that strange. We would think it odd. We would think that the, the things that happen in this book, the things that maybe you, you read of just this person's testimony, and we may even begin to discount them and say, come on, that can't be real. That can't be true. Lord, help us. And the comment was even made, Lord, help us not to have a spirit of criticism and pessimism among us. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, it's different than our humanity and no, we don't, we're, not, we're not seeking a sign but there was a power. One of the reasons why power was present, Paul says, it's for your sake. Not us here tonight, but for the people we're trying to convince. Because, quite honestly, the people that we're talking about trying to convince, the majority of our world, more and more often, doesn't believe this book. This is just another book to them. As a matter of fact, I took a course in college called... The Bible as Literature. And it was a re- really in- interesting book, and it talked about the literary works and how the literary structure of the Bible went. It's a really neat book, but the reality is that this is just seen as another, historical, another piece of historical fiction. Right? It's just another piece of literature. So you can, you can convince them and show them all you want that all these things tie together. And, 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 and wow, that's great. You have this knowledge of this great book. But there's people that have knowledge of Lord of the Rings. And there's people that have knowledge of Harry Potter. And there's people that have knowledge of all these other series out there. What makes you any different? There's something that's different. It's authority and it's power. One second, Brother Eaton. I'm going to go through these principles. Then we can talk about the book in just a minute. So, many of these events seem strange, and they are. They are odd. They are not natural. How could it be? And that's precisely what the Lord does. It's not just in words, but it's in power and demonstration. Now, that doesn't always just mean that it's, mirac- that it's the, the miraculous. Sometimes it's, quite, quite frankly, sometimes it's the power of love and perseverance. Okay, well, let's go through that. What I'm saying is, at the same time, let's not put the cart in front of the horse Let's not put the power and the demonstration in front of the horse, which the workhorse for us is prayer. Here's the last point I want to make of uh, scriptural principles. Last point is this. God is not a trophy or an exchange system. Here's what I mean. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 4 If you want to grab your Bibles and turn there really quickly. If you don't, that's fine. I'm going to read it here in just a moment. 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 through 11. So here's what's happening here. It says, The word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. The Philistines put themselves in array against Israel, and when they joined in battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people came, were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore, or why has the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark. Let's go grab the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it comes among us, it may save us out of the hands of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh, "...that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God." And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, here's what happened. All Israel shouted with a great shout, so the earth rang again. Wow, that's really a loud shout. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, "...what meaneth the noise of this great shout of the camp of the Hebrews?" And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come into the camp. But it wasn't the spirit of the Lord, it was the ark of the Lord. Because Israel was trying to treat God like a trophy system. And they were afraid, for they said, God is coming to the camp. And they said, woe to us, for there hath not been such a thing hitherto. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty men, uh, these mighty gods. And these are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Oh, wow, so they've really got him in a tight spot. But verse number 9 says this, be strong. And quit yourselves like like men. Start acting like men, O ye Philistines, that you be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent, and there was a very great slaughter. For there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were slain. We want to continue with the story. What you will find is that you will find that... um, the Philistines took the Ark, and with, with taking the Ark, they took it to their own, their own uh, camp and settlement, put it before Dagon, and there was this whole thing that went place to where Dagon was falling over, and then he fell over and his head was decapitated. Like it was just, It's this just really kind of cool story. The moral of the story is this, is you can't treat God like a trophy, and you can't treat God like an exchange system. If I, if I do what they... If, if we want the power, if we want the results of this book, Azusa Street, then we have to do what Frank Bartleman and his, his uh, cohorts did. I want to maybe put a stop to this notion and this thinking as we start to talk about the book, and it's this. We have to trust God for something new and something distinct and unique and different. As Joshua went into the Promised Land in every city that they conquered, There was a different strategy for every single city that they conquered. That's the principle for us. We can't treat God like an exchange system where if I prayed this many hours, I'm going to get the same results that somebody else did. I'm going to get the same results that they had in the previous generation. I'm going to get the same results that the church on the other side of the country had. No, we can't think like that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek him first. Seek Him first. We don't treat Him like, a, like an exchange system where if we give so much, then He's going to give something back to us because we deserve it. Like, like Let's thank God He doesn't give us what we deserve. So, so that's the last principle that I want to give you. I know that's kind of a lot to cram in there. But that God is not an exchange system. He's not a trophy to be carried around is that it goes back to prayer, and it goes back to repentance. All right, with that, we're going to start our next 20 minutes. I know time is flying by, so I want to respect that tonight. But we're going to start our next 20 minutes where we're talking about the book, some book discussion. So to that point, I know I had a microphone. Here it is. Um, To that point, I want to bring this out. Um, Can we just start to maybe, I want to just open this up. We have some scriptural principles that were laid out there for us to kind of take away. But I want to begin to open this up tonight with some discussion of the book and some of the things you read in the book. What really stuck out to you and what was something that really, that you can kind of take away. And as you're reading this, what really resonated with you? Come on, everyone was just chatty just a minute ago. The time doesn't stop if I'm looking for someone to talk either. (laughs)
1: Uh, so on page 14 of the first chapter, it was talking about prayer, as we've already heard, but it, uh, he made a statement here that says, I found most Christians did not want to take on a burden of prayer. It was too hard on the flesh. And then if you go down to the bottom of that section, it says, most believers find it easier to criticize than to pray. Well, that just kind of sinks <laughs> in a little bit. Well, like, I'm going <laughs> to set the mic because that's all I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, it's, as far as prayer goes, you would just, you know, because I, I can be honest, my thoughts were, as I was reading this, is, okay, like, what are we doing compared to this, right? Like, as a body of believers, as Christians, in my personal daily walk, like, this guy, one thing we discussed was his walk with God and, and the things that were happening in Frank's life, and he didn't have the Holy Ghost, Right? Like, you get into chapter 2 and he's like, I just spoke in tongues for the first time. It's like, what? You know? And we we usually hold that on a pretty high pedestal and sometimes even, you know, God forbid, kind of look down on people that don't have the full truth or they're not filled with the Spirit and discount their walk with God. But we see here that this man, quite frankly, if I say it for myself, probably closer to God than I am, you know, in, in that season of his life. Um so, and then you read that second portion I shared of, you know, it's easier to criticize than to take on that burden of prayer. And, you know, I can only imagine what would happen if even this local assembly took on a burden of prayer corporately. What, you know, God would absolutely do a new work, but what would that work be in Columbia Heights? What, we, what would we do if people were just walking blocks away and felt conviction and just stumbled into our building and fell out on the floor God. So, just a snippet. All
0: right. Very good. Anybody else? Hurry. Time's going. Now's your chance.
2: What I really liked is it was spirit led. It wasn't flesh led. So, they never knew who was going to get up and speak or what. And it was led by the Spirit, and they weren't wishing the Spirit of God. And when there was somebody that was more fleshly that went in, God kind of weeded them out if they didn't want to. Um, you know humble themselves Um, and so I, I thought that was really neat and and that the church was in unity and it wasn't like different little pods here and there but they were actually coming to the church daily and praying and and just they'd do very little talking with each other and they'd go I'm coming to talk to God not to you but to God and then you know the rest just faded away and it was pretty powerful
3: amen yeah very good I thought it was really
4: uh, awesome that they didn't wait. Yeah, like Sister Christina said, God was there, and they went to seek God. And God was on their mind. Even when um, um, Frank uh, came like uh, two, three, four blocks away, he stopped, and he took inventory of himself because he was entering into the presence of God. They didn't wait for the pastor to come and start the service or so-and-so, they just sought God, and they were there for God, and God was there on their target, and i clean. And <laughs>
0: I'll take that before you say something and get yourself in trouble. <laughs> All right. We, well, I'll come back here. We've, we've got a lot of folks up here. Come on, we've got 15 more minutes. Let's go. Any, who else up here? All right. Just,
4: just a short point that kind of stuck with me was I think the Lord – Every day for our our leadership. And uh, what if if there is a day where the leadership does not show up? Is that going to affect what we do? Um, Are we going to sit there and wait for someone to step up, or are we going to do what we know is right? And uh, I just thought that was, you know, he, he said that over and over in regards to just, you know, people sitting there waiting. And, um, yeah, personally I've done, I've sat there, led other people, you know, especially with my with my family, and, you know, I'm um, step up.
0: Okay, we'll talk about that in a second, what stepping up looks like.
5: I thought it was interesting um, that, you know, a lot of it really was breaking away from the, the what he called... Um, we called it the party spirit, you know, and basically, yeah, not, not to criticize any other or denominations, period, but it was so, such a contrast that it really totally contradicted or it, it, it left behind the, the organized religion and, you know, kind of like what Luke was just saying, um, it, it brought it back into the hands of every saint, mm-hmm. like, you know, that's in how, how the motive was so scrutinized. Like, it had to remain pure. Like, the, the spirit wasn't going to flow if anyone wanted to own it or direct it or, you know, uh, basically letting us know there's absolutely no way that we can manage God. Like, that's, that's um, you know, and, and I know um, in the past, Pastor Thompson was really the one who kind of brought that out. And, and really kind of had the courage to really address that when he talked about how if you study through history, you know that's really kind of the residue of all man made religion how, how where that developed, and he touches on that, like how it goes back to you know the pope and you know and really how it took it out of the hand of the church to where the church literally became completely um, ineffective and had no more power and so what I saw in that is it's like a complete restoration. It's a restoration of what the church is. The church is, we've heard this and we say it so many times to where it can lose its meaning, but but really understanding it's not a building. The church isn't yeah. even called, like when we say church, we still have kind of that mindset or even of the gatherings, like, you know, he starts out and he said right away how, you know, Christians, they we, we, we had become so traditionalized in this thinking that we think, when you think of church, you think of an event. You think of a, a certain time. And, and, I mean, it couldn't have been more clear how God was restoring. And, and, and what's cool is they thought this was the last outpouring. Mm-hmm. They thought this is it, you know. And so what that means to us to think we have one more chance at this. Yeah. You know. And, yeah. and boy, yeah, let's do it right.
6: <laughs> All right.
0: Thank you. Anybody else? Or somebody else? I know there's more.
4: So I, like, uh, what, uh, what I was saying earlier about how he would come to the church. People would be sitting around on the front spot. And then they'd go in, they'd start praying, and then the minister would show up. He'd stand up, say something, he'd sit back down, and they'd keep on moving in the spirit. Second thing is is that I felt sad that in the church in Wales where they got tired of, the new, or they got tired of um, the new ways and they just kicked them out because they didn't want to deal with all the new things that the Spirit would take. Them. Yeah.
0: yeah, we can do that, right? That's what's so interesting. God gives us the ability to do that. He he says okay, okay. Or he invites us. He says okay. He says okay both ways. Okay.
3: I really enjoyed how there was several pages that were just kind of devoted to uh, singing in tongues, uh, singing in the spirit. Um, my wife and I, and several other people that I know, sing in the spirit, but I don't. I don't see it a lot in the church, and that's fine. It's just. Because it's not as prevalent, it seems like, amongst us who have the Spirit, and whereas you hear people speaking in tongues a whole lot. But the Bible says that you're to sing in the Spirit and sing with the understanding.
0: That was a component that was there. All right. Um, I don't know who, but I know somebody over here has something to say. (laughs) So, I'm just going to leave this here. Oh, okay. All right.
7: (laughs) We were talking about um, how basically, or we started off talking about how man and organized religion is really a wet blanket. Oddly, paradoxically, on the god they are supposed to be served. And then talking about how this move of God at the beginning of the last century was really scary for most everything built by man. So it was scary to people who were threatened in their position or their uh, congregation size or whatever. And it was really terrifying, which when you think about it, just for a second, it's, that's terrifying in itself. So it's easy to point the finger at somebody over 100 years ago and say, those terrible people. But the problem is we're made of the same flesh. It doesn't want God to move and and change anything in my life because I've got everything in order the way I like it. (laughs) And I'm comfortable right where I'm at. But he loves to come in and knock over some tables and (laughs) make sure that there's the ability for his spirit to do what it wants to do because he's sovereign.
3: Anyways, so, uh, you know, it, uh can't help but go to when you talk about repentance. Psalms 51. A broken and a contrite spirit. When that man's daughter died, that was it for him. God broke that man, took him to a place where he could use him, And in that, he put a commitment to God that opened up the doors. And so that's all part of that the commitment to prayer, the faithfulness, and how, how, how deep he went during that time frame. No matter what anybody else had said, you know, and then what happened was on Azusa Street, one of the things is that the explosion took place, and there were people coming in from all over, from India, you know, from, from across the world to see what this, this uh, noise was, like in the upper room, right? And, uh, but he kept that commitment through all that thing, no matter what happened. And, uh, like I mentioned over here in the first four pages, you know, he, he talked about, he mentioned his daughter passing. That's how much it had an impact on him. And then um, later on, he mentions how his wife had held breakfast for him. He got home at noon, but he didn't have an appetite. You know, so he had support there, not just uh, him doing it and God supporting him, but he had a,
0: Help me at home. Okay. Go ahead, go. <laughs> who can I give this to? Quickly, <laughs> no, I'm just.
8: I noticed that all through the the chapters, would mention about humility. And how on page 40 says, a body must be prepared in repentance and humility for every outpouring of the spirit. And there was a general spirit of humility manifested in the meeting. They were taken up with God. And a few pages later found this very interesting. There have always been a found a few who were willing to be regarded reckless for the Lord and utter recklessness concerning men's opinions and other consequences is the only attitude that can meet the needs of the present times. And that is very convicting, because I think um, for most of us in the American church, image is a big deal. You know, just life in general, our image is a big deal. On Facebook, or social media, or I work at City Hall, What you look like matters. How you present to the community matters. You know, what you say and what you do, how you're representing your organization or whatever, it all matters. And yet when it comes to the things of God, for them to get to the place where they could all follow his leading together, they had to get rid of all of that and chuck all that at the door in order to really get closer into his presence and let him be God. And he's really been convicting me about that. I'm really grateful for the service we had Sunday morning. I'm talking about the, the deeper repentance. You know, I think we're good people. I mean, you know, we repent. But sometimes you stop and really realize the corners of your heart that maybe you don't really talk to God about don't want to talk to God about, don't want to acknowledge that they're there, even to yourself. And when he starts talking about just the pure presence of God and how people would just fall on their face, you know, like, it, it gets scary then when you're coming before Almighty God and what could happen and everything that can be revealed will be revealed. I think if we want to get to that point... And we have to be willing now (laughs) to get it all out now, or it will come out later. And um, on page 53, it says, as your cross, so will your Pentecost be. God's way to Pentecost was via Calvary. Individually, it must be so also today. The purity and fullness of the individual Pentecost must depend upon the completeness of the individual Calvary. And that part's not fun. We want to get to, okay, God, pour out your spirit, heal people, do cool stuff, we'll invite our friends. And he's like, no, it starts in the garden. It starts at Calvary. It starts in laying everything out and saying, not my will, but yours be done. And that is hard. That is hard. But if we want to get to the resurrection power, that's the only way. And I think that is so seen in Frank Bartleman's life. And he's like just kept getting, I think, man, he's already like praying day and night and fasting all the time. And he's like, and God called me deeper into prayer.
6: Thinking,
8: what? You, know, you can do that? Like and survive? But um, yeah, my wife was worried about me because I wasn't eating. Well, wow, you know, but if that's what it takes, if we really want to see God impact not just our church and our little community, but the whole Twin Cities and the whole region and our whole nation, is it desperate times, call for desperate man- measures? It makes you really consider just how desperate am I on a daily basis. God to move in my life yeah. and to, for me to let him to get to the place where that image doesn't matter, where I can walk into city hall and teach a Bible study. Yeah. He's been talking to me about that. And even to pray for it, I'm like, ooh, what on earth would that look like? You know, would they let us reserve a conference room? Like, you know, you start thinking immediately, what, yes, I want to teach a Bible study here, but I know all these people and um, they already think I'm weird so So, what, What you know, right, (laughs) what what exactly am I praying for? Because if I'm going to pray for this, then I better be willing to make the sacrifices involved. Can I trust God enough to lose my job and keep the Bible study and keep going? Can I trust God enough to, to be the weird person and even weirder than I maybe already am, you know? Like, It wow, that humility is hard. That that garden experience is hard.
0: It's that grain of wheat, right? That grain of wheat that has to die. If I'm gonna live, I have to die. We we can't we can't do both. We can't accomplish both at the same time. We can't accomplish His will and our will, or His will, and our comfort. It doesn't mean that it's, you're destined to be uncomfortable. There is beautiful joy in His service. Just like the joy that there is when a mother gives birth and holds that baby in her arms for the very first time. What joy that that is. But those nine months leading up to that? And those 22 hours of pushing and pain and leading up to that? That's not a lot of joy. But the Lord brings it to the birth. He's the one that does that. But He does it through us. And that's, I think that's a great place to maybe transition for us to start to talk about application. Because all of this discussion is great. We could probably keep going on and on and on and on and on and on. But it doesn't do anything if it doesn't change us. And it doesn't do anything for us if we don't talk, begin to actually talk about application. And how? So that we've devoted 20 minutes to, app, to discuss application. How do we begin to apply this? So we're going to talk personally, and we're going to talk corporately
6: application hey y'all uh, uh, this is I mean uh, for, oh yeah I didn't I didn't I a book I didn't read it <laughs> but this happens what what's crazy well not was not crazy but what's what's God is that this happens to be exactly where I am with what what he's been speaking to me for the last two or three weeks now and it's been leading up, leading up to this point, exactly what, what, what Sis was just saying. about, And, and my is, is like the self-righteousness. And it's so nasty. I talked to my mom and, and the way that she described it, she was like, I was like, mom is nasty. She said, Lee, it is utterly nasty. And, and, and I sat there, I had to cry with her and everything, you know what I mean? And, and just to be able to see it, that's the thing that had me on my face. It, it came from you, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, they had me on my face in, on, on, in the altar, on, on the altar, man. I shared it with Jonathan and Don, and, and this is the application of. I mean, any anything. Just he said, whatever, 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 whatsoever you do, do to the glory of God, mm-hmm. and I do to the glory of Lee. Mm-hmm. Most of the time in my life, and in fact, this this can help me survive in any streets, help me survive in in, in, in prison, in, in in wars, in in everything. You know what I mean? To just to, to my, about my image, about you know what I'm saying, how I'm presenting myself, how I'm showing up, and he's ripping all of that down. Hmm. I'm gonna have to take it and bottle it and package it up and set it all at the at the cross and give it all to him, and then depend on him is scary. Hmm. It's absolutely terrifying, man. You know, and then and then, this, and then the, the question I, I was asking myself this um this afternoon, sitting on the porch, just sitting there, I'm like, what do I do now? Where my value come from now? Or well, where where where's my self worth now? It's like what what do I what do I do now? So I'm I'm just waiting on the next on the next thing. And even I raked the yard earlier today. Uh, he was like, "You better not open your mouth. You better not say nothing to nobody. You've none of that because that's you, I ain't the one that did that. No. He did that. You know what I'm you know what yeah. I'm saying? He sparked that, uh, that 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 thought. He said, "Every good gift comes down from the Father of Lights," and that was an absolutely beautiful gift you know what I'm saying love love always always leaves a mark so I get that and it's like right now it's just kind of it's absolute application this is this is absolute timely, man now only God can do this man only God only he can set this up in order to It seem like y'all speaking directly to me man hmm. I, I promise you <laughs> and you're the only one in here right like... I am I right. am the only one here and the reason why I didn't read the book is because Luis stole my Monday. He had me out of a ball at the Twins game. Then Nick stole my Tuesday. He had me out of a ball at his house. And, and that was the rest of it was me.
3: <laughs> All right. It's good. It's good. We're talking about
0: application. How do we, how do we change? How do we, what do we, how do we make this a reality for us? How do we take this beyond just pages and knowledge? How do we make some, make some changes?
1: So I would say this is more of a, a corporate application, but in the, the point's already been touched on briefly. It says on page 29, human organization and human programs leave very little room for the free spirit of God. Um, and then later in that paragraph it says, souls are born into the kingdom only through prayer. Hmm. Um, later on, page 30, it says, prayer was not formal in those days. It was God-breathed. It came upon us and overwhelmed us. We did not work it up. We were gripped with real travail of soul by the Spirit that could no more be shaken off than because of the birth pangs of a woman in travail. Without doing absolute violence to the Spirit of God, it was real intercession by the Holy Spirit. And then earlier in chapter 1 on page 23, he's ta- uh, Frank's talking about how there was a spirit of intercession upon him and a brother rebuked him. And he says, the flesh naturally shrinks from such ordeals. And you go down to the end of that paragraph, and it says, And so with the churches regarding soul travail, there is little burden for souls. Men run from the groans of a woman in travail of birth, and so the church desires no groans today. She is too busy enjoying herself. So corporately, just whether it's when we assemble together as a body or we're alone, and we feel that travail, you know, it's really easy to suppress that, and it's really easy to shrink away from that, right? Like, we even have members of our body that, you know, even from a noise level, right? Like, oh, no, somebody's getting loud. And it's, and it's not about the noise, right? Like, that's a whole separate thing. It's not just making noise. Um, but when we discern as a body that there is travailed beginning, being open to that and allowing us to go into those labor pains, because it says that souls are born through prayer, and if we really want souls— say Columbia Heights souls, say whatever community you live in, we want those souls. We have to be willing to go into travail for those souls and be aware as a body that, you know, there's, there's people, I'm sure, in this room that God wants to use in intercession. The whole body, of course, as Pastor already said. But if we discern that, it could be in the middle of a service. It could be in the middle of preaching, and obviously the leadership will be led by the Spirit to know that that's the Lord uh, interceding. We need to be sensitive as a body and discern that, and be willing and being open to that versus saying, oh, my flesh doesn't like that, so we shut that down. Um, because it, that will happen uh, according to the word of God, that souls will be burdened to the kingdom.
0: Yeah. I want to I jump on that if I can and maybe just say, not maybe, I do want to say this, that um, when it comes to travail, when it comes to intercession, this is just how I feel about this and this is something I would like for us to maybe take away as an application, is that we cannot begin to do here what we don't personally do on our own in our homes, okay? We can't just show up here and flip the switch and just say, well, I don't, I don't ever do this, but I guess I'm going to start doing this now because we're gathered together. Um, personally, and, and I think from what I, from what I understand... In Scripture, from what I understand from the Lord, and, and He can work with us in many ways, but personally, I, I believe the Lord's going to work on you personally on that first. He's going to burst something in you personally. You can't pick up somebody else's burden. You, you, can't, you can't pick up somebody else's uh, role in interceding or, or their prayers. That's a personal thing for you to have. And it begins to be a very dangerous thing for us to get into to say, the only time that I'm going to do this is when we are corporately all together. It begins to it, it, um, it begins to create confusion and God is not the author of confusion that this we, we could just we could very well and people do this and there's a danger this is why I talked about the the trophy system there's a danger in trying to flip the switch and to say, well now we're going to be a uh, a travailing church, or now we're going to be an interceding church, or, or we're, going to, we're going to mix that with singing in the Spirit. We're to, now that's just who we're going to be. Everyone, come on Sunday, start singing to the Spirit. The problem with that is, and, and, and Brother Collins doesn't say it, Brother Wilson wasn't saying that, that's not, what, that's not what they're saying. The problem with adopting that mindset is trying to force God's hand. In Acts chapter 8, what can I do so that I can buy this gift too? Apostles turned to him and said, you are going to perish along with your money. That's what you can do. (laughs) Right? So what it actually turns into and what we are doing, and I don't want us to understand this, what we are doing is we are changing the culture. And that's one of the hardest things to do is to change a culture. And it starts... With individuals, it starts at the grassroots personal level. This whole there was this whole section. How many of you kind of enjoyed the notion of? (laughs) I should be careful how I ask this. Um, The notion of a lack of organization, or or departure from from man-made organization. So you're like, I want to raise my hand, but I don't want to (laughs) offend. Um, the author speaks about organization as an ill of the church, and while we caution against too much organization, at the same time, biblically, we also understand that organization is biblical. But the point can't be lost in the in the discussion: is this is that we 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 have Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night service. That's it, and even in our gatherings together, there is. There, maybe there is a perceived um, suppression of the moving and the leading and the guiding of the Spirit. And I want to address this on a cultural level within, our, within this church is I want to, I want to change that perception that, there, that we don't want to suppress the Spirit, that it's not a one-man show. If it was a one-man show, quite frankly, I wouldn't be handing the microphone around. <laughs> one, of the, one of the greatest things that happens is in a service where the preacher doesn't have to preach one of the greatest things that happens is I'll tell you one of, the, one of the most fulfilling things or rewarding things as a pastor is what happens is on a Sunday morning when I come downstairs after a pre-service meeting when I come downstairs and the prayer room is full and people are praying actively engaged in praying. That's powerful to me. Now lets me know that there's I, I have to do a whole lot less work because the Spirit is doing the work. And the people are engaged in that. So as an application, I just I'll put this out there for, for corporate application, and that is that there is no force that is that is keeping anybody from and suppressing anybody from engaging with the Spirit and being led by the Spirit, and that that is exactly what we not just want to see, that's what we need to see. But we can't flip a switch and just do it. We have to be ready to die. We have to be ready to give of ourselves and to go deeper and deeper in prayer, deeper in our relationship with God.
4: Another thing that I had realized and recognized is he was talking about him and another minister, another gentleman that went into the church and they were praying. And he said that they got so lost and in given into the spirit that they felt that the presence of God was so strong in there and they lost all concept of time. I've been in the services... Where we had a five-hour worship service, and didn't realize that when we got out of it was like eleven, twelve at
0: night. Yeah. So how do we do that? How do we do? do we just do? We just talk to Sister Molly mm-hmm. and say, "All right, Sister Molly, uh, get keep singing that song over and over. We're gonna." When I think about His goodness and what He's done for me, when I think about His goodness, how He said for me, I'm going to dance, 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 all night. We, we, we don't just, we can't, God's not a trophy system. We can't just drum it up and say, play another song. Where does it come from? Where does it come from? Where does it come from?
1: Um, just to piggyback on what's been said, what Pastor Kirk was just referring to is our our motives. Of there was a portion in the book where it talks about when people were gathering and there was people coming, and it was obvious that their motives were self centered. They were not there for God; they were there for them themselves. And they were, so, and the whole gathering was so led by the Spirit that the people didn't have to shut those other people down. They didn't have to tell them to be quiet. Like the Spirit took care of all of that. So when we talk about going in travail, we talk about operations of the gifts of the Spirit, we talk about the supernatural happening, we talk about worship happening for five hours. It's what are our motives before the Lord? Why are we here? What are we here for? What are we seeking after? Um, and if we get our motive right, I think there'll be kind of a domino effect of everything else falling into place with that.
7: Oh,
0: sure you do. You don't have to grab it. That's fine.
8: We're here to know the heartbeat of God and to seek after his heartbeat, that's what we're here for. You know, as the scripture says, deep cries out to deep. And that's why.
0: How many of you want to hear more? <laughs> <laughs> okay,
2: I'm going to go over here before
0: you get in trouble. Yeah.
2: Um, so concerning our church i've kind of noticed that it's being able to have the freedom and the liberty to be led by the spirit so sometimes the musicians are playing and they have four songs to sing and it's like that one chorus it's like the spirit of god is boom 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 just hitting and hitting but they're like thinking okay i gotta go to the other songs but it's like no the spirit's moving on this part just p- play that part or sometimes it's kind of like and the guy gets up, and that sometimes when he's speaking, that anointing's flowing, and it's just like, but I've got to give it to the pastor, you know? And then the pastor's like, you know, preaching, and then all of a sudden, he's like, hey, let's just have a baptism. You know, so that's like being led by the Spirit. And it's like having that freedom and not being afraid, okay, I only have 15 minutes, and I've got to sing all these songs. We've got to hurry up and pass it to this other one. And the guy that's the emceeing, he's like, oh, I have to hurry up and do five minutes, and then I've got to pass it to the pastor. And the pastor's saying, oh, my, these people are falling asleep. I've got I to gotta put them at the altar. <laughs> And then the people are like, oh, I need to stop praying because the musicians stopped. You know, so it's kind of like being afraid to go beyond that m- mark. But if you're being spirit-led, it's just like Pastor did the other day. He's like, what the world? This, everything's all messed up. Let's just have a baptism. And two guys got baptized. And, got, and that was the most powerful service I've seen in a long time. It was like, boom, why? Because we were being led by the Spirit. And Pastor just recognized that. And it was just like, Bam. And, I mean, all of us felt it. I mean, I did anyway. I don't know about you, but it was powerful. And so that's what God's saying is, like, don't be afraid to be led by my spirit, you know, whatever it looks like. Don't put me in a box because I'm never going to do it the same. But be prepared and then have the, the, the okay from the pastor for Molly to keep hitting that chorus, boom, 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 for an hour if she has to. And then you forget about the other three songs. You know what I'm saying? Or whatever you know, I'm feeling that liberty. Yep. And so Tell the pastor about that?
0: <laughs> no. And so I want to I want to hit that so I think that's great. The the point is that the 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 anointing is not in the song. You can sing whatever song you want. The anointing is not in in the person. In, it's not in the person because they 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 have you know person standing behind the pulpit, right? It's. It's. And I'm not trying to create a dichotomy because Scripture doesn't create this dichotomy. It's not at this level. It's at our level. It's at this level. It's at this level. Man, I tell you what. Every service we, If you're a part of the leadership, or you're a part of ministry, or you're a part of leading worship, or you're preaching, or leading the service. It. It, it is. Sometimes, it's that. Man, we got to push. We got to push. I, I I'll say it because she's not here. Sister McGowan on Sunday night. If you were here, you noticed that she she kind of stopped everything. Yeah. She said nope, we're not moving any further. I was so happy because I wasn't preaching. I was like, oh, this is great. It's, either way, it's gonna go great. Like, <laughs> I th- I thought it was great. And She addressed it and hit it and said, we we just gotta stay right here. We we have to stay here until we can move on. Until who can move on? The worship leader or the the pianist or the singers. No, 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 I'm no. And I'm not trying to be heavy on this until we can move on, right? Like, I'll be honest, there are times, and this is just me being really, really, I think probably more transparent than probably what I should be, but that's all right. I'll, I'll talk to the committee afterwards. And I'm the only one on the committee, so that's fine. <laughs> but sometimes we'll be there on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and and I'll just be sitting there worshiping. It's good songs, good in practice, well-practiced and well-executed. But I'm just sitting there thinking, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're just here. We're just here. I want so much more. I want, I want more. I want something deeper. And it. I'm bringing this out, I know we have maybe a minute left for application, but we're, I'm bringing this book, this, this book and, and, and really it's not this book, it's not these books, it's really, it's really this book, right? It's just maybe awakening us a little bit to see it in a little bit of a different light and, and to maybe shed something else on this so we can perceive it in a different way, but I'm, we're bringing this out for a reason. And Brother Collins has talked about what are our motives, and when we get together and we worship and we're, and we're here gathering together, are we coming to just punch the clock? or are we, are we coming ready for an, with an expectancy for God to move and to do something in this service, not for ourselves, not for us. And not even can I just say this, not even for our guests, for him for him. It's for him. We, we just want him. If I don't get anything out of it, if he's here, that's, that's all. I'm, you're going to get something out of it if God's there. You can't, you can't escape that.
5: You, <laughs> you know, one thing too that I that totally, because I asked myself this question reading this, is we, we probably all can sense that there is something happening right now, and it has to do with God's perfect timing. And to be honest, that's the same thing that happened here. Mm-hmm. And, and what I asked the Lord over and over, and it was already mentioned here tonight, and, and I hope that we all, you know, understand that so that we don't possibly make that mistake because there is absolutely no amount of prayer that can produce this. There's no amount of prayer that can produce this. Because he said right there, because you know what, if it did, we take the credit for it. And so the difference is that the spirit of, the, of God moved on these people, but he found, he found people that were hungry, that were ready. And I believe that he prepares that ahead of time. And right now he's preparing us. He, this is the time of heart preparation and that spirit that we're longing for, that prayer, that, that, that intercession, and that, that kind of depth, we cannot produce that. We, we cannot manufacture it. We can't conjure it up. And I wouldn't want to. Okay. But what we're doing right now is we're, we're, we're given a chance to say, I surrender. I, I want this. And, and I don't have it. And as a matter of fact, I'm so far away that it just really puts me in the dust. I'm, that's how far we are from this, and so really the difference is now we're in this time frame again. It's God's timing. He's doing this. He's doing this, and what He's really asking is, is are you going to align yourself with what I'm doing? And when we do, and when the when the channel is clear, and when 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 the channel is clear, that means it can be nothing of me. It can be nothing of us. Then that I I am convinced. I believe. 100%, he will bring that, because he's looking to bring that. He's going to bring it here, and if we don't want it, it'll happen somewhere else, but it's going yes. to happen.
7: Yes. All
6: right. Me. Uh, I'm self-proclaimed, I guess. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm what you call new to the faith, you know, because I'm, I'm fresh fresh off of a bad decision. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so the thing is is, is is what I've learned what I've learned from the point where I said yes, God, that nothing happened until I was broken and a contrite heart that, that, that's the only way, the only, absolute only way he gonna move is when I stop moving he said, be still and know that I'm God. And know, he said that I don't come back for the, for the, for the, he said, think not I come back for Israel, but for the lost sheep, I'm the, I'm definitely a lost sheep. And in that, in that loss, he said, Paul said, I'd rather boast of in my infirmities. In those infirmities is when he show up, is when I, is when he show up and I'm, t- I'm talking about chastisement all day. <clears throat> All day, all day, through transparency of, 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 of just, no more, it ain't no, ain't no more shame in this thing. Ain't no more none of that. Ain't no more none of that. The image, you say, the, 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 say, image, my image is completely, utterly destroyed, and that's the only way that he going to move is in a broken contract. Let's, let's stand tonight.
0: Jesus, we just want You, Lord.